These are the disciplines. And this weekend, we come to the discipline of generous giving. And let me tell you right off the bat, before you grab your wallet and sit on it, you guys are a church who gives generously. Last night was a great example, praise the Lord. What a generous group of people. Mark records in chapter 6, verse 30. The disciples have been out for days healing the sick, driving out demons, teaching about Jesus. They're tired. They're hungry. Jesus sends them off. And what happens? The crowds follow them, thinking they're going to get a little bit of time alone with Jesus. Jesus, it says, sees the crowds, and he has compassion on them. He sees the need, the same need that those 12 have had met in the very presence of Jesus Christ. He's about to teach them, and he's about to teach us a lesson, and he did it in their fatigue, in their hungry he sees them and he has compassion on this crowd. And so he spends the rest of the day caring for the crowd that grew to over 5,000 men, Mark says, plus women, plus children, an estimated 20,000 people, according to a preacher's count, an estimated 20,000 people. And in verse 35, it's late in the day. It's late in the day, the sun's starting to set. There's a break in Jesus' teaching. And so the disciples come to him and say, in verse 35, it's getting late. Send them away now so that they can go to the surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. You know what I didn't hear last night? 140 of us, 150 of us out there standing in the rain, getting things ready, and I mean it poured down. We had water running up to our ankles in some places. But you know what I didn't hear anyone say? Let's go home. Let's come back on a sunnier day. I wish Bigelow hadn't sinned so bad this week so God wouldn't have sent this rain. I didn't hear one of those things. I didn't see one car move. I didn't see anybody take their costume off. Send them away so that they can go to the surrounding countrysides and get themselves something to eat. But Jesus says to them in verse 37, you give them something to eat. You. Philip, one of the disciples, an accountant, his name could have been Brandon, blurt, blurts out. John's gospel records it this way. It would take more than half a year's wages, Jesus, to buy enough bread for everyone to have a bite. And no doubt that would be a very accurate estimate. 25,000 people feeding them on today's tab. And before they could answer, Jesus says, how many loaves do we have? And before they could answer zero, what does he say? Go and see. Go and see. Now tell me this, church. What has God given you in order that you can generously give that very thing to someone else? Because this is what Jesus is teaching us here. 
What is it that God has given you that you can generously give to someone else? Long before the moment when Jesus tells his disciples to feed the crowd, this is what he had in his mind. This is what he foresaw the opportunity that was about to present itself to these 12. It's the question you and I need to consider when it comes to God's command, not his I wish you would, but God's command for us to give. What has God made available to us in order that we can generously give that very thing to someone else? Now here's the first of three principles when it comes to this discipline of generous giving. The first is this. God always provides what it is that he's asking us to let go of. Now that's good news. And for some of you who are new to this idea, don't put a church package on it and think, oh, that's all church want is our money. No, I want God to have your heart. And so don't you dare put that up as an obstacle for him today to get to your heart. God always provides what he will ask of you to let go of. James says that every good and perfect gift comes from who? From the Father of lights, God himself. Solomon, the wisest man in the world, says it is God who gives us the ability to produce the wealth that we have. He's the one who gives us the ability to work. Here's the challenge for us, though. It's up to us to be willing to let go of the things that we have been Given. Jesus said in Matthew 10 8, freely you have received, now what? Freely give. So on your outline there, I want you to take an inventory. And you guys who know me well enough right now, if you don't have a pen in your hand, I'm going to come right out there and see you. Please, please do it for you. Take an inventory right now. Don't let it just be in your mind because your mind, it'll pass just like gas, right? It just run there a minute and one minute it slipped out and well, you know. But I want you to make a list. I want you to make a physical list. You knew it was coming after all that chili last night. I want you to make an inventory of what God has made available to you for your use. Has he not given you time? Oh, you, you don't know me, Dave. I'm just too busy. Well, that's up to you. He's given all of us the same amount of time in a day. Has he not given you experiences? You know the reason why people act the way they act? It's because of what they've experienced or what they haven't experienced. And it's up to us who have different experiences to start to get a grip on that and understand it. And to share that. Has he, not, has he not given us compassion, some of you? Grace? Love? Some of you he's given a smile. Oh my gosh. One smile. One smile. Sarah thinks it's some of her other features that I fell in love with. But it was her smile. If you've ever seen my wife smile, now those teeth are worth thousands of dollars. <laughs> I didn't know that when I married her. The, the maintenance is terrible. 
But some of you have a smile. We talked about this at Life After 50. When you look at someone and you just, you give them that smile. <laughs> Makes their day. Some of you have a smile to give. Some of you have a box of four crumble cookies and there's only three of you in your family and you need to share that crumble cookie. Some of you, most of us in this room, whether you rent it or whether you own it, have been given a home. A home that you can open up. Oh, my home's not big enough. Ask, ask Julia McMahon. Now, she's got quite a lovely home. But I stopped by their life group the other night, and they had people sitting in every room. And it's just fine if you can only get three or four in one room at a time because those three and four, their smiles, their encouragement, their words. If you have a home, can't you let go of some of that? What about a cup of hot coffee? What about a hug? What about, what about an experience that has left you so broke that you can share that experience and be part of someone else's rescue story? What about an unexpected bonus at work? You think that's really for you? I'm saying that because the staff's getting a little bonus this week for Pastor Appreciation Month. We'll see how much they give up of that. <laughs> what about a fish sandwich from Culver's and a few fries? You see, every one of you who were present with us last night, you saw this firsthand. I submit to you today, and what we're getting ready to see here in this scripture I submit to you that within a crowd like this, everything that is needed is available through one or more of you, but you have to be willing to let go of it in order for it to be used, whether that's your smile, whether that is your pocketbook because you've been given the ability to produce great wealth, whether that is an experience that so rocked your life you never thought you would come out of it. It's been given to you. Your sobriety's been given to you. Will you let it go? to be used by him. <clears throat> now, when it comes to letting go, there are three words used in the Bible to describe this discipline of giving. Tithes, offerings, and sacrifices. Now, the tithe, sometimes referred to as the first fruit, the tenth, is the tenth of what we've received all that we've received. And that is to be given where? To the YMCA, to the Shriners Club, to a charity of your choice? No. It's to be given to God. It's to be brought into his storehouse first. Every time we get paid, Christian, every time we receive, we take a test. Who will we worship? with that first dollar. The Lord says to bring the tithe into the storehouse, his church, and his promise is what, church? That he will open the floodgates of heaven. Now you talk about a flood. All of heaven. He will open the floodgates of heaven. He provides, he will protect, he will stop the rain. And from these blessings, from this storehouse that's opened up to us, we're to do what? We are to give an offering 
or a sacrifice from the abundance that we've been blessed with. This is where the YMCA comes in. This is where the Shriners, this is where giving to church camp, this is where giving into other parachurch organizations comes in. We give up in order that something else may be accomplished. Now here at MCC, we refer to this as giving what? Above and beyond. God is so generous that we give above and beyond out of the abundance of what he has blessed us with. Now, show of hands. He's like, oh no, they're gonna ask me. No, I'm not gonna ask you. Show of hands, this is the easy one. How many of you in 2016 were here when we first said, let's give, remember I gave up cinnamon rolls. That was a big give up. Remember how many of us, raise your hands, were part in 2016 of giving above and beyond the tithe in order that what? We could make room for the people who were sitting on the floor. How, how many of you were here? Now, now church, I, I want you to look around because I'm, I'm getting ready to make a point and it's not a mean-spirited point. It's, it's probably one of the greatest acknowledgments of what we're teaching here today. Did you see those few hands that were part of that? In 2016, what we refer to as our above and beyond commitment, it was a commitment to give $1.2 million above and beyond the tithe. $1.2 million to expand our physical space the first time. And over the next three years, listen to this. Yeah, it, you see Bigelow up there, what he used to look like when he was 13? <laughs> and Jason Toby, too. But look at that building back there behind it. A building that was built in the 1980s by some who raised their hands today who gave above and beyond so that they could move from the building built in 1902 because the 1800 building burned down. The people that built that building walked down the street and built that building that we filled the capacity years before 2016. Some of those same people committed to give $1.2 million and over the next three years, not only did you continue to tithe, which supports our staff, and you can see what it's done to Bigelow. He's twice the size because of your support. <laughs> Ministries, and I am too, praise the Lord. We've supported not only staff, but ministries and missionaries on every continent. But $1.2 million was given in under three years so that we could have a lobby that we love and offices that we had given up and the current space that you're sitting in that had windows that had more air coming through them than the air conditioner could provide and the classrooms downstairs for students that were overcrowded and just nasty because hundreds of people had been through there on that 20-year-old carpet. But in addition to the offering and sacrifice financially, we have had the sharing of homes and stories and experiences and time and talents and grace and kindness and encouragement. And since that time, over 300 have been baptized or made MCC their home. You see, the rest of you, listen, the rest of you, I'll give you a reason to clap. 
The rest of you, besides these 20 or so that raised their hands, you are the result of generous giving. Some of you aren't too happy that you're here. Apparently, that was a pretty lame clap. <laughs> but there is no price too big for one person to come to Christ. But <laughs> Thanks, Ruthie. <clears throat> That's a woman with a broken neck over there clapping. <laughs> Listen. What is it that brought you not brought you, what is it that kept you here? You met the Savior of the world. Maybe you met him here, 300 or so of you did. Others of you have come here since that time. Is it not the generosity of a smile? Is it not the generosity of grace? Come as you are, but expect to be changed. Is it not someone who met you at the door and you didn't have anyone to hug you at home and they just came and gave you one of those good, warm hugs? Is it not the person that you walked up to one weekend after a message on sobriety that you came up to and said, hey, have you struggled with an addiction? Because I sure am. And then you started meeting and they led you to that point of surrender. Not surrender to a 12-step program, but surrender to Jesus Christ who has the power to bring you sobriety in your life. Back to our account in Mark chapter six, if you haven't forgotten where we're at. Jesus tells the disciples, he tells them to take an inventory, to go and see what's available to feed the hungry crowd. And so they scatter. John tells us in his gospel that there was a little boy in the crowd. Remember the little boy? Just came from Culver's. Two pieces of fish, five loaves of bread. It was equivalent to a kid's meal, right? Kid's size. John 6, 9, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Now you can almost hear the chuckle among the guys. 20,000 people and they bring a couple of fish sticks. Surely Jesus would send the crowd back to town. A gift so small wouldn't make a dent in 5,000, let alone 20. And we laugh at the disciples' dilemma. We laugh at their dilemma because we understand when God tells us to bring the first. For some of you, after you brought the first and he tells you to bring him an offering or a sacrifice, and lay it at his feet, don't we sometimes feel as though what we have just doesn't really matter? All I've got, the little widow said, was just a couple of mites. <laughs> Nobody needs my experience. My smile, I was with a person this week, they said, my smile, I'm so self-conscious. I'm like, what are you self-conscious for? Well, look at my teeth, so? So, your smile's more than your teeth. I met a guy a couple weeks ago who smiles with his whole face. I hadn't noticed his teeth. But we chuckle. We need to change that. And nights like last night, 
Nights like last night are how we change that. Because you only can change that, thing, that mindset by doing what the Lord has commanded you to do. And last night, some of you have done that before with us, but I guarantee you there were two or three handfuls of you that were like, what in the world is this church doing? I know I spent the night answering instant messages that come through our page saying, are you guys still having this? Is it indoors? And I'm like, absolutely and no, right? We've tried that before. And the minute it stopped raining, what did you see? You saw the floodgates open for people to be fed. Not just 700 hot dogs and 800 some cups of chili. Yeah. But fed to see a church that does not give up. A church that doesn't offer something and then when it gets a little tough, backs up and goes back indoors. You see, it's far more... It's far more than what you are thinking right now about what you can offer or what you can't or whether it's sufficient or not. And that's about what we're about to see right here in verse 39 and 40. The disciples, they bring this little boy's kid's meal to Jesus and then Jesus says it in verse 39 and 40. He says, have the people sit in groups of 50 or 100 and you're thinking, boy, I'm glad I sat at that table because they're the only ones gonna eat. And what, fo what follows would be funny if you weren't so hungry. It's like herding cats. 12 guys trying to organize 20,000 people. But in verse 41, Jesus says that will work. And he prays this prayer. He prays this prayer, thanking God for what had been provided. He breaks it into pieces and he hands it to his disciples. And I can just see Peter. Peter with that half a barley loaf that was only about, well, maybe that big to start with. He's got half of it, and he comes over to Bigelow, and he breaks it in half. And then he goes to the next person, he breaks it, he keeps breaking it, and, and, and he keeps having bread to break. It was a miracle. And in verse 42, you know the outcome. Maybe you don't. Mark says, they all ate, and they were satisfied and the disciple picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. Now this is what I've missed until a few years ago. And that is the miracle of multiplication did not happen in Jesus' hands. And you're like, oh! Did the bread multiply in Jesus' hands? No. In whose hands did it multiply? In the ones who were letting it go. It happens as you and I let go. Have you not experienced how grace multiplies in your life as you let grace go to someone else? Kindness and love, physical resources. Earlier in chapter six, Jesus had sent the disciples out on one of those trial runs, right? Remember, he sent them out and he said, I don't want you to take an extra coat. I don't want you to take any food. I don't want you to call ahead and get a, a room at the inn. Freely I've given to you, now what? Freely you give to others. He said, I'll provide 
what it is that you need. And those guys had been out and they had healed the sick. They had driven out demons. They had preached the good news. Why? Because he wanted them to experience the reality that he would provide everything they needed. Did you not experience that last night? Everything that they needed. And as they went, he did. It was his power that healed the sick. It was his power that drove out the demons. It was his power that brought people to repentance. And on this day before a crowd of 20,000 people who let go of the food, the miracle happened because God provided. The second principle is this. Only what is placed at the feet of Jesus can be multiplied. Only what is placed at the feet of Jesus can be multiplied. Now, let's be real transparent here. We would much rather that it be multiplied before we gave it to him and laid it at his feet. It'd be much easier if the Lord put in your mind, hey, 10% of your paycheck comes out to be this much, and he dropped a check in the mailbox to you Friday before Saturday when you came to church that was in that exact amount. It'd be so much easier if he did it that way. But even though we know, and even though we've seen example after example, some of you have seen it play out in your life over and over in your life that when you did let go, there's still that something inside of us that wants to hold on to it. It happens to me. That's why I have that automatic withdrawal because it was up to me. This week's been a little tight. I'll catch up with you, God, in a couple weeks. I know myself. Sometimes we've been blessed so much that it gets harder to let go. Maybe it's fear that keeps you. You're just not sure how God's going to respond and when he's going to respond. You, you, you wish that it was, uh, there was a formula. <laughs> if I let go of this, then I know that I'm going to get 2.5 times this back. It'd be so much better. I know if I let go of this that I'm going to get the exact same thing back, but it doesn't work that way. And so fear holds us back. Maybe it's just outright selfishness. We have our needs. We have our own plans. I got to tell you, as my girls get older and I get older and I did something that I think was smart, but now I'm not so for sure. But long before I had children, long before I had Sarah, I thought I've... I won't need disability insurance. I don't need social security. And that's one of the things preachers can do. I could work for a lot less salary if I didn't have to pay into social security. But now that I have kids, something happens to me. It's all on me. Actually, it's all on God. I have to really trust him with some of these things. And sometimes I get selfish I remember the first building project I was a part of. I was at a church in Scottsburg. It was my home church. The year was uh, 1997, 1998. I was an elder. Church had decided to buy a bunch of property out by the interstate. And uh, it was up to us to give the first sacrifice. And I had saved up for years. I had a 1988 Ford Ranger stick shift and I had to turn it off to get it in first gear. And you remember those hydraulic clutches, they just let go on you. And so I'd saved up enough money to buy a new truck. And they came out with this idea that 
we didn't need to go into debt. We needed to just give. <laughs> and God told me what the number was, and I argued with him for three weeks. But, but I gave my truck money. And what had taken years, three years later in 2000, I bought a bright red, brand new, automatic, extended cab, Ford Ranger, and I paid cash for it. And I remember it meant nothing to me. Two points about that. One is God replenished everything. I, you can't outgive God in time and talent and money. But when you do give, it changes your perspective. And that's a greater blessing than getting that 20 grand or whatever it was back three years later. For the disciples, the first thing out of their mouth, and I'm going too long, is it's gonna cost eight months wages to feed these people. Are you really sure you want us to spend that much money? Let me put it this way. Are you a reservoir of God's blessing or are you a conduit, a channel of his blessing? Which one of it is it that he wants for your life? Knowing the character of God, knowing his word, does he want you to take what he has given you and just keep it for yourself? Does anything in his word encourage that? Instead, what does he say? He says, I will supply you everything that you need. He supplies the seed for the sower. You know what's wrong with us? We're not farmers. That's what's wrong with us. That's why we're so stingy. Is because we do not realize what it is to put it all in the ground and then trust. And that's exactly what God's telling us here. I am the one who provides the seed for the sower. You can't plant one or two seeds and expect to have a harvest. You've got to put it out there. And what happens when you do and those plants produce? Just a couple of rows will produce <laughs> what you put down to plant the whole field. It's going to cost us too much. On the flip side, however, sometimes we're unsure if God can use what it is we have to offer. In John's account, Andrew spoke up and he said of this little boy's fish sandwich, how far will they go among so many? But look at the impact of one child's gift to Jesus. Here's the final principle when it comes to this discipline of generous giving and how God multiplies when we let go of it. And that is we have to trust God. We have to trust God with the final outcome. It's why God says, test me in this. It's, and otherwise he says, don't test me in anything. He says, test me in this. Because so much of our relationship with God comes down to trust. It's the essence of faith, right? Being certain of what we hope for, even though we can't see it. Trusting that what God began when we placed all of those things that we listed at the beginning of our time together, when we place all of those things in his hands, trusting that what God began, he's faithful to bring to completion. What is it that God has allowed in your life? What experiences what resources, what talents, what gifts, what grace and love do you need to let go of and trust him with? Remember this. It's in your reading tomorrow, Sarah says. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. 
Whoever lets go generously will receive generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Don't argue. Don't be reluctant. Don't feel like somebody's forcing you. God loves a cheerful giver. How can you be cheerful? Because you know. You know that he's the one who provided the seed for the sower. You know that there's a harvest coming. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. Now that's a huge promise. Is there anyone in here who gives to God sacrificially that doesn't have what you need? I want you to stand up and tell me. Prove me wrong. It doesn't happen. We have everything that we need. You will abound in every good work. You know, that's why this church is growing so. We're abounding in the good work of our generosity. Now, before you respond, I want you to think for a moment about the leftovers. <laughs> I want you to think about those 12 basketfuls was that just to prove that God can provide? I, I, I don't know. I think feeding 20,000 people with the Culver's Fish children's kids meal, I think that does it for me. I don't think I would need the extra baskets full. So why is that? Is it possible that the God of the universe is simply saying, when you trust me with what you have, whether it's control, whether it's time, whether it's grace, whether it's addiction, your family, grief, forgiveness. When you trust me with what you have, I will give you something in return, listen, that is far greater than what you had on your own. Even if all you have to offer is a sack lunch, you will walk away not only full, but with leftovers to spare. And what are those leftovers? What are those leftovers to you? Last weekend, J.R., J.R. surrendered his life to the Lord in baptism. J.R., who's chosen in his life to travel, to move from town to town with only the shirt on his back, basically. I saw him with maybe two shirts. He would launder one and lay it out on the straw and put it on the next day. J.R., who all he had to offer was a smile, smile that he was embarrassed of because from his perspective, it's a little bit worn by lack of good dental care and the things that you and I take for granted. The last weekend, J.R. surrendered his life to the Lord. He gave all that he had to him in baptism. Was he sincere? I think so. Was he transformed? I think so. Jeff and Kathy Ratliff 
place their membership here at MCC. You say, well, what's that? Well, that's saying that we're not gonna be bop around from church to church. We're gonna be known and we're gonna show up because showing up's important. We're gonna take what we've been given and we're gonna give that sacrificially so that others can have what we've been given. We're gonna let go. Why not take your next step? Why not take today, why not take today what you have been blessed with and let it go? Let's stand together and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that. God, all of you is more than enough for me and my life. You are the supplier. You are the breath of life. You are everything. All that I have is yours. My experiences, my family, my home, my gifts, my resources, the love, the hope, the grace and mercy, you have freely given these things to me. Now I, we, God help us. Help us to let go as an offering to you. Church, as you remain with your heads bowed, just you and the Lord, this isn't for me. This is for you. I want you to think of what you would fill in these blanks with. I have freely received God's fill in the blank. I freely received his provision. <laughs> I freely received his grace. Some of you, I have freely received his kindness. And I need to now freely give what is it that you need to let go of, church? That you need to let go of first to him so that it can be blessed and then can be put in the hands of his church that it would be multiplied. Maybe it's you. Maybe like Junior Jr. maybe it's you that you need to let go of. You need to surrender your life to him in Christian baptism. Maybe for you, God's really blessed you. And you know, you've seen this morning the number of people that have been reached that have a seat to sit in because someone else let go before you. Whatever it is that you need to let go of. Won't you share that with someone? You can share it with David who'll be at the next steps area in the back and he'd love to talk to you if you're wanting to let go and be part of the church family or if you're wanting to let go and you wanna learn how to give. If you have a story that you need to share, we'll get that information from you and we'll reach back out to you. This, this coming Wednesday night at midweek, you're gonna hear a story.
And you are going to have the opportunity to be part of a prayer that very few choose to be a part of. Maybe that's you this morning. If you've come and you want to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, the ultimate gift, then I'll be right up front to receive you. Come now as we sing this anthem to the Lord.